Good morning to you all. I am uh, very happy to be here. Um, I think I've explained to 98% of you why my eye looks like my eye looks. Um, got in a fight with a gate. It doesn't really hurt. It's just color. So um, do your best to ignore the fact that you're, uh, the guy that's preaching this morning looks like he's been in a fight. Because I have not. I want to put that question in front of you. Um, we're going to get to something else in, in just a second before we get to the message. But before we do, I want to throw that question in front of you. Um, what will God need to do to convince you of your dependence upon him? What will God need to do to convince you of your dependence upon him? That's the, the question that... Um, has been ringing in my brain for a while, um, and we're kind of between series now, and so when we do that, Dave and I each do kind of a standalone message, and that's what this is this morning, and every time I get a chance to do just a, a standalone outside of the series message, I just kind of talk about what God has been pressing in on my shoulders, and that, this question is what that is, and the song we just sang, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, is uh, just kind of been the anthem of my, my soul-searching quiet times in the last few weeks. And, and the, the, the thing that I want to just explode into our brains this morning and in this moment is you don't, your performance, your attendance here this morning, uh, all of that, Anything aside from Jesus Christ is sinking sand. And I am very aware of the need for substance and strength in the homes in which we live. That's a, a metaphor. We have a deep need for substance and strength and solitude and and stability in the homes where we live. I was um, this week in my backyard at the Royal House the, the tornado slammed into. I was sitting there with my, my, uh, my contract, and I'm there maybe once or twice a week talking to him, and he brings somebody else in. This particular time, we're talking to a mason, a guy who's going to kind of tear down some of the brick and rebuild the brick, and we're talking about structure and you know, stuff is offset now and all this stuff. And what he said when he walked through the house, I wasn't there when this happened, but my contractor said it after this guy had left. So as they were walking through the house, he was looking at where the tree actually came in, and he said, they are really, really lucky that this is a brick house and not just a wood frame house because that tree would have been in the basement. If this had not been a brick house, that tree would have been in the basement. And most of you know what was under that tree that got caught by the brick, my daughter. Um, the fact is, the strength and stability of our home saved the life of my child. And it's powerful to know and experience that. And a lot of you have walked through my house. But the metaphor and the beauty of dependence upon God, Brianna's life is dependent upon the, 
the solid foundation and the bricks of my house. Our lives, our every moment, our every breath is dependent upon the solidity of which we build our house. If you are building your house on your performance, you're building your house on anything other than the strength of Jesus Christ, failure is coming. Death is coming. Hardship, difficulty is coming. So, ask the question again. What is God going to need to do in your life to convince you of your complete dependence upon him? You can walk around this earth thinking that you're not dependent, but you're wrong. God is trying to, I am trying to convince you, get your attention off of yourself, off of the shifting sand of your life and place it on Christ. Uh, I said more there than I meant to say. I meant to save some of that for later. But I want to pause and, and take a chance to, to pray for a second. Two weeks ago, we had our first anniversary of being in this building. You guys, uh, some of you were aware of that. Maybe a lot of you weren't. Um, and we missed it. I, I knew it, but just life was creeping up and we missed it. So what I want to take some time to do this morning, just a few minutes, is take some time to pray for Florissant Presbyterian. They have been unbelievably gracious to us to allow us to use this building, and it's hard, difficult on them. A lot of Sundays, there's, there's tables and stuff that are back there that uh, they're wondering whether or not they can come back for their luncheons, and when we're, and it's just, it's not the easiest thing in the world for them, but they've given us their building to use on Sunday mornings, and it's a beautiful, fantastic thing. Um, and I've tried, I've talked to many churches, and many churches have told me, no, you can't use our church on Sunday morning, but this church has, and they've been really gracious to us. And so what I want to do is pray for them, and how I want to do that is a little bit different, because each of us, from the person who, who's been here every week since we started here to the person who's here for the first week, each of us enjoys the, the grace gift that this church has given to us to allow us to meet here. And so I, I don't want this to be Rick prays, nobody really pays attention, and we move on. I want us to be grateful and thankful to the Lord and grateful and thankful to Flores and Presbyterian for them to allow us to be here um, and pray a prayer for them. So what I, I want to do is encourage you to remain seated or encourage you to stand or encourage you to come and lean against a pole of a physical reminder that this building has been given to us to use and just to, to be active and to move. And so uh, I'm going to go up and, and sit on the stage and voice this prayer and encourage you guys to just, just come and, and move now. Go if, and, or stay where you are or come up and let's pray prayers of thankfulness. Or sit and kneel. Do whatever you feel like doing. Come as you are. Be as you are. That's who we are. God, I am grateful for this moment and this opportunity for us to come and just thank you for Florissant Presbyterian, Father, and the people that, are, that have made up this church, God, and to war for them God, we, we pray that you would bring a, a profound spirit of peace among their fellowship, God, and, and that you would just be uh, central to all that they say and all that they do, Father. And God, we, we thank you for the gift 
that they are to us, Father, and, and we recognize that you have graced them with this building and they have not held on to it with a closed hand, Father, and given it away. Father, I pray that you would teach us lessons of giving away the gifts that you've given to us back into the community, back into your church and your body, God. Father, we are so grateful for who you are in our lives and who you are in their lives. Father, continue to bring about restoration, continue to bring about relationship with us and with them, Father. And I pray that you would allow us to see the global church and not just one single expression of a church, Father. Lord, I thank you for this building that allows us to come and gather with a roof and electricity and an opportunity to control the temperature as simple as that, God. And we, we're grateful for you and we're grateful for them, God. I just pray overwhelming peace among their congregation and many, many years of continued proclamation of the gospel in this city. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his perfect name. Amen. So thank you for uh, indulging us in that. Um, as you're walking back and as you're sitting in your seat, if you want to turn to Psalms, we're gonna, we, don't, we don't have a specific text where we're going to sit and, and, and be in the rest of the, the morning. We'll, we'll hop around a bunch, um, but mostly be in the Psalms. Um, so... Again, the, the question is uh, in front of us, how dependent are we on God? What is God going to need to do to get your attention and make you realize that you are dependent upon him? I, I want to ask a, just a few questions of us this morning to, to begin to, to continue to, to get our minds on the, the right path. One, uh, and I, I'm going to quote a lot of stuff this morning, and, and, and in your bulletin, by the way, on the back are a, a three different websites with some resources to begin to help to cultivate this dependence upon God. And uh, for me, I'm very reformed in my theology, and that means that God is, we were dead, and God tapped us and called us to his prevenient grace and all of those things. But there is, once that happens, there becomes a responsibility for us to begin to take steps towards God to cultivate that dependence upon God. And so those two things can coexist together, and we're going to kind of talk about those. So as we walk this morning, I, I remind you of those websites that are in the back, and, and as we talk this morning, I hope that God begins to just light some fires in you to give you this desire to, to seek after the cultivation of your dependence upon him. So this, the first question there, how dependent are you on God? Think about this one. What's What's happening in your life right now that you are dependent upon God? What is going on that, that you are, if God doesn't come through, failure is coming or deep desperation is coming? What, what is happening in your life? How does your free time and how you spend it reflect your dependence upon God? How do your relationships reflect your dependence upon God? Rhetorical questions beginning to get our minds thinking here. Is, 
is your life mundane spiritually? Is your life mundane spiritually? Um, this weekend, I got a chance to, to sit down and talk to Eric. We just got back from our, our men's retreat. Uh, I was supposed to be back this morning, but the rains caused us to come back last night. Um, asked him this question. What are you doing? He's sitting there reading Psalms, and, and God is just just re-exploded the psalms into Eric's life. And he's just sitting reading random psalms. And for me, I'm like, yeah, that's good, man. Because for me, there's like, very seldom do I engage the psalms. And when I do, it's the same four or five every time. But there's hundreds of them. These are opportunities for us to cultivate, to, to keep the mundane, to keep ourselves from being spiritually mundane. Is there excitement, vitality, eagerness, that these words describe where you are spiritually. Um, Francis Schaeffer says, what we are doing, talking about this Christian life, this spiritual life, what we are doing is not difficult, it's impossible. Which leads me to the second, my, my last question to get us thinking. Is the Christian lifestyle that you live impossible or is it comfortable? I want you to dwell there, think there, um, write that down, think about this in the stillness of your prayer closet, whatever that looks like. Is the Christian lifestyle that you live impossible or is it comfortable? As Americans, I'm, I'm guilty of this. Much of my life, is spent trying to get comfortable or free from trouble or free from stress, to get away from it. I want to live a comfortable, stress-free life. That's a motivation of mine. We set life up to be as stress-free as possible or as possible as possible. You follow that? Or we set our lives up where we don't really need to be dependent upon God. And then every once in a while, God intervenes with an illness or an addiction or a tornado or relational strife or broken relationship to make us aware that we're severely dependent upon him. So uh, there's a pastor named Jack Deere of, uh, in Dallas. He says this, Father, Grant me power from the Holy Spirit to love the Son of God like you love him. Think about that and the, the, the depth of that. Blaise Pascal says, My God, will you leave me? Let me not ever be separated from you. These are two men, one from hundreds of years ago and one from today that understand what it means to be dependent upon God. And I'm going to quote a lot of people, a lot of Tozer today, and, and a lot of Psalm today, to just get our minds thinking towards this dependence on, upon God. But, but how do we do this? What, how do we cultivate dependence upon God? So we talked about the fact that we have this need to be dependent upon God, but, but here now, how do we do it? How do we cultivate a dependence on, upon God? Foremost is... We need to come to the awareness that we are dependent upon him. And this isn't going to be some three-step process of, of how to 
become dependent upon God, but the absolute foremost forefront of that is we have to be aware of our complete dependence upon Him. Um, there's, a, there's a deep notion. It, it's actually Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man to take refuge in Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. All throughout Scripture, there's, the, there's this overwhelming, prevailing thought that the more we pursue God, the, the sweeter and more pure we taste of Him, which causes us a deeper hunger for who he is. And so as we taste, we want to taste more. And that's kind of what it means to cultivate this dependence upon God. But we have this decaying, rotting flesh that causes us to want to choose self and so as we taste and see that the Lord is good and want to taste more, we, we have this battle that's raging within us and we wind up gratifying the desires of our flesh and trying to gain this tasting for ourselves instead of allowing God to feed us. And our spirits tend to self-gratification without discipline. We stray from cultivating this dependence upon God, which makes messages like this essential to us. Tozer says this, and, and all the quotes that I have from Tozer this morning all come from a book called Pursuit of God, which is an unbelievably amazing book, and one of the links that's on your bulletin is to a, a free PDF of that online. You can read it for free anytime. You can probably find an app where it'll sh- shoot you the, a chapter a day. It's amazing, and you should all read it. I read it at least once a year. Um, in it, Tozer says this, I want to deliberately, I want to deliberately encourage this mighty longing after God. The stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is the result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. That sentence just explode. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be presented or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. And I'm, I'm saying all this. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing before we get to the psalm because what I want you to be is, okay, would you just shut up and read the psalms? Because that's where we need to be in life. So how do we, we cultivate this desire? Again, how do, we, how do we do that? How do we cultivate this dependence upon God that, that Tozer's talking about? How do we, we stoke the fire, this acute desire? How do we stoke that fire? How do we, how do we light the flame of, of holy desire to know God? We Simply put a foot in front of the other. John Wesley, orthodoxy or right opinion is at best a very slender part of religion. That is, understanding proper theology, understanding who God is correctly, exegeting the text, 
God has revealed himself perfectly to us. That, and, and that revelation and understanding that is orthodoxy. That's the definition of orthodoxy. It's at very best a slender part of what religion is. There may be right opinion of God without love or one right temper to him. Satan is proof of this. Satan has perfect theology. He understands God completely. Yet chooses that which is apart from God and tries to get us to do the same. So theology, proper orthodoxy, is only a slender part of what it means to pursue and follow God and be a follower of Christ. One more Tozer quote. To have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in a happy experience by the children of the burning heart. You'll never be more satisfied and more happy and more at peace than when you are vastly and intensely pursuing God. And all of our lives are about building structures to give us peace and, and stress-freeness of life. But the only way to true, real, lasting, joy-abiding peace is the pursuit of of a holy God. <clears throat> Tozer says this about David. David's life was a torrent of spiritual desire and his psalms ring with the cry of the seeker and the glad shout of the finder. Man, I want that. I want that. That everything that comes out of my mouth is the cry of the seeker and the glad shout of the finder. So let's turn to the Psalms and read. Finally, he's going to get to some scripture. Starting in, in 63, Psalm 63. And as I've prayed over this message this week, and particularly this morning, that God would bring these to light in us and we would begin to memorize and meditate and the next six months of your life would maybe just be about this one particular verse that we read this morning. And God would ignite a deep passion for who he is from one verse or maybe even one phrase. So how we cultivate dependence, first, understanding that we are dependent upon him, and second, beginning to just pursue who he is by tasting it, and that these things we might find when we begin to seek God. David writing in Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Let these words ring in your mind. Meditate on these words. Earnestly I seek you. What do you do in your life that you do with earnestly? Last night, we're sitting under this pavilion. That we, we're out playing some Frisbee game in, in, the, in this resort where we're staying, where we're camping. And we get a couple of texts, and, and another one of the campers says, there's, there's funnel clouds, there's a storm coming, you might want to go get shelter. It probably is going to miss us, but you want to be careful. So we all go and sit under this big, this big concrete 
in the basement of this building and under this concrete canopy and just waiting for it to happen. The rain is just exploding down. And now here comes some hail. And it's just, the hail is bouncing off of the, the we're right by the pool, bouncing off the, the, the metal fence that surrounds. And you can just hear the, the popping of the hail and, and bouncing. And, and I'm thinking about the tornado that hit my house and, and being right inside of those doors, trying to be safe when the tornado is actually hitting my house. And I'm thinking about this fact that so many times we think about is the storm, the real heart of the storm, is going to happen somewhere else or to somebody else. But here's the fact. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle now. The storm is happening now inside of your heart. And it never, ever stops. As I'm sitting there looking, wondering whether the tornado is going to, if there is going to develop a tornado, and then next, is it going to come to where we are? And then next, is it going to come to where I am and destroy this building where I'm sitting? And if so, what am I going to do? What's my reaction going to be? Secure myself, look around, secure my friends, make sure everything is fine, and then go try and find some help. This is rattling in my brain in the midst of that storm last night. And then I begin to, to internalize that, to understand that this is happening everywhere all over us. And we are not... We're standing out in the middle of a wooded field. Most of where we camped is trees everywhere. Would you stand there in the middle of a tornado? No, it's stupid. But we sit there all the time and rest, thinking things are great. Pay attention. You're dependent upon God. May this be true of us. May these words, may we earnestly Seek God because we know what's at stake. Because we're in the middle of the storm. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. My flesh faints for you. This is the desire of the burning heart for God. Flip over to Psalm 73. And there's beautiful redundancy in the Psalms. And if this is God's word and there's redundancy, we need to attach ourselves to it. Because God knows you're dumb. Verse 20, Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Man, explosion of truth. And may that cultivate a fire within us to passionately be able to say that Because my life doesn't look like that. My life looks like that sometimes. My flesh and heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Flip a couple more Psalms over to 84. Most of the Psalms have a, like, title or heading. The heading in 
my ESV, my ESV Bible here says, my soul longs for the courts of the Lord. My soul longs for the courts of, Lord, of the Lord. Verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Flip to Psalm 119. Before I read the psalm, I just want to stop and pray. God, would you, uh, God, would you affect us with these short and beautiful sentiments of of your word? Would you ignite our hearts with a holy? desire that you have placed in our hearts to know you and to passionately pursue you. God, would you ignite a desire inside of us, deep inside of us, to cultivate a dependence upon you, God, that we might be passionately burning with desire to know you. God, may these psalms that we read be burned into the images of our brain, God. God, give us practical, holdable, tangible ways to put these in front of us over and over and over and over again. May we write them on proverbial tablets and may we write them on actual tablets, Father. God, burn these into our brain. Verse 103 of Psalm 119. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Man, I wish that I acted like this. I bought a, I bought a, there's like, there's this, it's Shop and Save. They have this thing called a mud cake, a Mississippi mud cake, and it's got like, Icing, it's like a, a chocolate bunt cake, this really deep, moist chocolate bunt cake, and it's got icing and nuts on the top of it. It's amazing. And every year for the men's retreat, I buy one of these, and I feel like a real man because I don't really slice it and put it on a plate. I just, you know, grab a hunk. Why not, right? Or share it. I, did, I shared some with you, didn't I? Yeah, a little bit. There's more out in the car still. I haven't cleaned the car out. But it's it's... The taste of this cake is just amazing, and I look forward to it, and, and I, I, I can't wait for it to happen. And I, I can't, I'm like sitting around the fire thinking, man, that, that cake is right over there. I could go get some, and I go and I get some because I love this cake so much. But how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Man, that we could... Long for the taste of the holy and perfect 
redeeming, satisfying word of the Lord. For real, man. Gosh. Verse 131. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. You could tell stories about dogs panting and needing water or you just being really thirsty, but just let that. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. And Paul, flip over to Philippians 3, see some of the greatest stuff written about one man's passionate desire to know God. Tozer says this about Paul. Paul confessed the mainspring of his life, the main source of water bubbling up of his life to be his burning desire after Christ. The single most important thing in the life of Paul is his burning desire for Christ. That I may know him was the goal of his heart and to this he sacrificed everything. Philippians 3. Verse 8. Familiar words. So I give my familiar words warning. Don't let them be familiar. Listen to what's being said to you. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There is nothing on this planet that is more valuable, more satisfying, more life-giving, more joy-giving, more peace-giving, more perfect than knowing Jesus. So stink and act like it. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Someday we'll live in a culture where I can translate that word correctly without offending people. Rubbish. It's dung. And it's a word intended to shock. Maybe someday I'll just read it like it's supposed to be read. In order that I may gain Christ. Everything on this planet is, is shocking, filthy dung in comparison to Christ. Christ. 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but instead the righteousness that we think we have on our own is the sinking sand that we talked about and sung about. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then the one simple statement verse of Paul's life, the mainspring of his life being the burning desire to know Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. Again, familiar words warning. We just said share in his sufferings and Christ was crucified on the cross and was ignored by a holy God. May we, yes, God, I give you permission to force me to endure those same sufferings so that at the end of it I might gain more pure intimacy with you. This is the statement of Paul, and it's dangerous. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and may share in his suffering, becoming like him, in his death. So we go back to our question, how do we cultivate dependence upon God? I don't know, but it starts with understanding that we're depending upon him, and somewhere in the middle of that, it it involves diving into scripture and seeing how God has changed the lives of men, and then putting one foot in front of the other. Studying scripture, meditating on words, Worshiping a holy and perfect God. Tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Panting after who he is. Let's pray. God, I thank you for so many things, God. God, I thank you for giving me a passion to want to know you, God. But Lord, I want it more. I want it deeper, Father. God, I pray that you would win the battle for my soul. And that my life would reflect my awareness of my dependence upon you, God. And oh, the hearers of this message that you've descended upon my heart. Oh, that, that these people would, would hear and know and be lit with a holy desire to pursue you and want to know you in a deep and intimate and pure way. God, may we honestly desire to know you. May we pen words of beautiful poetry where we pant and long and thirst and hunger desire you above all else, God. May we say, do what you will, God, to get my attention. Do what you will to match my action with my awareness of my dependence upon you, God.
And God, may this message that you've placed in my heart for these many weeks and months actually change something about who I am and what I do, God. Lord, may you be pleased and satisfied with the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth. And may they explode with your life-giving, dunamis power into the hearts and lives of each of us. It's in Christ's perfect name that I pray.